This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies. Because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. The overall, the overarching goal of Neuralink is to create a, uh, ultimately a whole brain interface. So, uh, a, a, a generalized input output device that, in, in, you know, in the long term, literally could interface with uh, every aspect of your brain. I mean, I'll talk a little bit about a long term goal. Uh, it's going to sound a little esoteric, but it, it was actually the sort of my, my prime motivation. Kind of what, what what do we do about AI? Like, what do we do about artificial general intelligence? Uh, if if we have digital super intelligence that's you know just much smarter than any human, how do we mitigate that risk um, at, a, at a species level? How do we mitigate that risk? Um, and then even in a benign scenario where the AI is uh, very very benevolent. Then how do we even go along for the go along for the ride? How do we, we participate? I, the, the the thing that the, the biggest limitation in going along for the ride, and in aligning uh, AI, I think is the is the the bandwidth, the the how quickly you can interact with the computer. So we are we are uh, all already cyborgs, in a way, in that the, your your phone and your computer are extensions of yourself leaving your phone behind is kind of like a missing limb at this point. You're so used to interfacing with it. You're so used to being a de facto cyborg. So if you're interacting with a phone, it's limited by the speed at which you can move your thumbs uh, or the speed at which you can talk into your phone. This is an extremely low data rate. This is the fundamental limitation that I think we need to address to mitigate the long-term risk of artificial intelligence um, and also just go along for the ride. So you want, you want to be able to read the signals from the brain. You want to be able to to write the signals. Uh, uh, you want to be able to ultimately do that for the entire brain um, and then also extend that to uh, communicating to the rest of your nervous system. So this is um, Pager, who is playing uh, monkey mind pong. Pager has... A neural link implant in this video. It's sort of like having an Apple Watch or a Fitbit, uh, re replacing a piece of skull with like a, you know, a smartwatch. <laughs> I think it's also important to show that, um, Saki actually likes doing the demo, um, and, and is not like strapped to the chair or anything. <laughs> the monkeys actually enjoy doing the demos because they, and, and they get the banana smoothie and it's kind of a fun game. So. Um, I guess more I'm trying to make is like we care a great deal about animal welfare, <laughs> and um, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure we, like our monkeys are pretty happy, you know. So, so similarly for implanting our device safely into the brain, 
we built a surgical robot that we call the R1 robot. It's capable of maneuvering these tiny threads that are only on the order of few red blood cells wide and inserting them reliably into a moving brain while avoiding vasculature. So who wants to see some insertions? Um, yeah, there's a second one that went in, and we're going to do a third one. There you go. And then that's going to go in the background, and we'll come back to it. And as Elon mentioned, over the last year, this has been the central focus of the company. And we've been working very closely with the FDA to get approval and to launch our first in-human clinical trial in the U.S., hopefully in the six, uh, in next six months. And I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, come and see. That is from uh, St. John's uh, Book of Revelations, the Apocalypse. And uh, not to overstate it, last night, the 30th of November in the year of our Lord 2022, uh, will be a day that's being marked down. The uh, merger of man and machine, man and computer, in a very disturbing four hours that we covered live on Getter uh, with Joe Allen and the team. I was in for the vast part of it. I cannot tell you how disturbing this is uh, and how it's just now a thing with no debate, no discussion, uh, nothing except your tax dollars and underwriting and research and all of it going into it, plus your pension funds. Uh, so you're, um, you're culpable here. All of us are. Uh, we're going to get to later in the show, we're going to do a complete drill down of what happened last night with Elon Musk and his team over Neuralink and what was shown and what they have developed. And I think, quite frankly, shock the scientific community about how advanced they are. Uh, I just hope that they treat us with the banana smoothies that they give the, uh, that they gave the, uh, the apes and the monkeys that they're working on. I'm bringing Joe Allen. We're going to get to the more mundane um, things that we have to worry about, like uh, crushing financial capital markets, um, this um, lame duck session and all that. i got Russ Vote and I've got the great Steve Cortez going to join us momentarily. I want to start with Joe Allen. Joe, you're going to come back in the second hour. This was uh, so disturbing and it's not being covered the right way. It's pure fanboyism. And I hope Conservative Inc., the fanboys, understand with Elon Musk, uh, Axios has this huge story about the Republican vacation of Elon Musk. Um, I, I, I call him a Republicarch, right? An oligarch emerged with the uh, the elites of the Republican Party. Incredibly disturbing. Joe Allen, uh, what did we see last night, sir? Well, Steve, that was the Neuralink show and tell, and people have been waiting to see how far along they are. They appear to be very, very far along. I've followed Neuralink uh, for two years, and I think that this really does show that it's realistic that they will have a device like this in a human brain. And much like the previous uh, brain-computer interfaces that have been shown to work, I anticipate that Neuralink will work quite a bit better. It's much more sophisticated than what Synchron has. It's much more sophisticated than what BlackRock yeah. Neurotech has. No. Uh, you know, a lot of people who want to defend Elon Musk point out rightly that uh, this device will allow people who are suffering stroke or Lou Gehrig's disease 
uh, various okay, other okay. ailments. Hold, 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 but, hold on, hold on, stop. That's the, all. The, stop. Yeah. Hang on, hang on. I can't. Yeah. That's all they pitched last well, night. The paraplegics, the Lou Gehrig. Yeah. That's all up front. That has nothing to do with what's going on. And you, it, it, I'm, one, I'm, I'm glad yeah. you brought that up. The paraplegics that could t- walk, the blind that could see, the the um, the uh, the Lou Gehrig's disease. That's all just a. That's a sideshow carny act, carnival act. Okay. This is man and machine merger. This is what we told you about the convergence of artificial intel- artificial general intelligence, regenerative robotics, quantum computing, advanced chip design, CRISPR. That convergence. On this side of the football is Homo sapien. On the other side of the football is Homo sapien plus or something else. And that's why this is so massively important. And the reason it's important is no one is talking about this. No one is talking about how this actually got to be. Last night, correct me if I'm wrong, he was much farther advanced. They're talking about after he's much farther advanced than what people thought. And this ties back exactly to the executive order uh, that Biden signed, uh, about, uh, about, uh, that really is about transhumanism. They try to say we're curing cancer. It's a moonshot. We're going to, that's all nonsense. It's all crap. That's what they're using as air cover for what they're doing. This is a man machine merger. This is the most significant thing. Forget climate change. That's all some bizarre, bizarro medieval religion, pagan religion. This is the thing itself. This is the fundamental last night. And it went on for four and a half hours, right? Anyway, Joe, give well, me a summary. I don't want to steal your thunder. I want you to come in. Yeah, I, I mean, want you, we're going to really I, drill down on this. You could say that you finished my thought. Um, so the right now they're talking about killing people. And as I pointed out many, many times, the underlying principle for how transhumanism will develop is a progression from healing to enhancement. And what we heard last night is Musk openly stating that the underlying philosophy behind Neuralink is the idea that the brain-computer interface will be necessary in order to keep up with artificial intelligence, in particular, artificial general or artificial super intelligence, and that that he is actually working on, Tesla is working on artificial general intelligence. So I think that to, to really put a bow on this, what we're seeing is a technocrat offering a technical solution to the sort of technology that he's producing. Okay, Joe. Uh, Joe's going to join us in the second hour. We're going to get to a drill down on this. This is the whole reason we had the train, our editor, Joe, join us a couple of years ago. Uh, these are fundamentally, I mean, it's, it's quite frankly, it's shocking. And there's no discussion, no debate. Uh, and then now they're going to go to the FDA. What, what, what you got standing between you and Homo sapien plus? Is the FDA. You feel good? You figure maybe we throw the CDC in there too, just so you feel better. Joe Allen, thank you very much. Magnificent job. And the whole team we had 27,000. We had 27,000 people on Getter last night live during this. That was the level of interest. And I want to thank everybody in the posse. The engagement was incredible. Uh, let me go as I got Russ vote. I got Russ and Cortez. Uh, Russ, from the sublime to the less sublime. The, um, but hey, this is what, uh, you know, Biden signed this executive order. This is the power of these executive orders. They'll do a whole of government approach on transhumanism. You see it there because the money is on all these research labs and weapons labs. Ross, before I get into the lame duck, this is why people in this show, we've got to make sure people understand this federal budget. It's so massive. When you're at five and a half and six trillion dollars every year, think if you had a private equity fund, 
you're funding, taxpayers are funding so many things buried in these appropriations bills that it would shock the American people of what they're paying for. Am I incorrect on that, Russ Vogt? Not at all. And that in all of the things that they are spending money on escape the awareness of the political leaders that are charged with leading those agencies. And so, you know, how did Wuhan Institute get funded until we found out about it? Because no one told us. Fauci didn't tell his own people and they changed even an Obama policy to be able to do that. And that's the kind of thing that you've got to have uh, executive orders, rules of engagement, paradigms that you go into these offices with that says, I'm going to get the answers immediately and know how to do that. The, o, the M in OMB is management, and they have a lot to do with how uh, they direct the research uh, uh, allocations and priorities of, of artificial intelligence, uh, a lot of the, the things in that in that area. And, and, and we need a lot of great thinking and, and, and work being done. I think I learned something just from hearing Joe talk about it. No, it's, it, it's shocking. I, I want to – we only got a minute. I'm going to bring you back to the break. I want to set the table. There are things going on. Reasons we're so maniacally focused on the lame duck. There are things they're trying to do in this lame duck that are forget who wins in 2024. They're going to set the structure and path of the American government. That's going to be very tough to unwind. Or am I wrong in that Russ vote? What's happening over the next three, four weeks? No, the most critical leverage point is they're trying to move a full year appropriations bill. The reason why that is so dangerous is it takes away all of your leverage points to do appropriate to do anything between now and next fiscal year. And so it is a very, very critical fight. And you, th- all this is all about leverage points. And leverage points are the m- biggest priority, and they're wanting to seed it away in the lame duck before the cavalry arrives in January. Will the lack of a red wave during the midterms lead to a more emboldened Biden, more wasteful government spending, higher taxes, a deepening of inflation? And how do you protect your hard-earned savings from chaotic financial markets the answer by diversifying your retirement savings with real physical precious metals with birch gold group text bannon to nine eight nine eight nine eight for a free info kit on protecting your savings with gold in a tax sheltered account birch gold has almost 20 years experience converting iras and 401ks into precious metal iras text bannon to nine eight nine eight nine eight and claim your free no obligation info kit Don't let the left devalue your savings. Own physical gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account from Birch Gold. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands and thousands of satisfied customers. Text Bandit to 989898 and secure your future with gold. Do it today. Take action. Use your agency. Okay? Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back. Um... From the sublime to maybe a slightly less sublime, uh, Russ vote joins us. Russ, you have a firefight up there on Capitol Hill right now about who's going to be speaker, who's going to lead this. And uh, and Congressman Norman came on the other day, Ralph Norman of South Carolina, who's kind of, you know, Mark Levin dismissing some backbencher nobody's heard of. But he said, hey, look, I asked McCarthy in that closed meeting if he, if he could use the Republican study committee and even your Russ vote, the one you're working on, it shows you get to a balanced budget in seven years. And I understand he's got some big cuts in there. Would you support that? And he said, out of hand, no, I'm not going to do it. And Norman says, then he's not the right guy for these, uh, for what's going to happen because this is going to be so, so, so tough to get done. Right now you have this omnibus, 
up there to the bank. A trillion and a half dollars could be two trillion without the financing costs. You've got the specter of this fight right now on speaker. It's all intertwined. So explain to our audience what the fight is and, and, and what the, uh, what the key elements are. And then we'll talk about how this audience can participate, sir. Sure. We have major problems in this country that require seizing leverage points where they are available. When you have a, an end of a, an appropriations moment, that is a, an opportunity to seize. You need to use the House majority for that. When you have a debt limit expire, you have to use that. Uh, Kevin McCarthy has said he won't put forward a church committee. That's another thing that would have been an easy commitment if he was willing to deal with the national security apparatus that's oppressing the American people. So on an, on an, on an ongoing paradigm-shifting basis, he has been unwilling in past, present, and apparently in the future – to go down these roads and use the House majority where risk is required. Yes, risk will be required, but it can be managed risk, strategic risk to be able to accomplish our objectives. So they are in a situation right now where they are considering a lame duck appropriations bill that needs to be carried over into the new year where the new Congress or the cavalry can come with the House majority to rewrite these bills and to do it on the basis of a Republican imprint. That needs to happen. In January 3rd, there's a speaker vote on the floor. Kevin McCarthy has not won yet. He does not have 218 votes. And Republicans are in full driver's seat to ensure, conservatives are in the driver's seat to make sure they have a paradigm-shifting person who becomes speaker. All hell will not break loose. This has been done before. This is how Mark Meadows got rid of John Boehner. John Boehner didn't have to rely on votes from Democrats. Democrats didn't collude to, with Republican moderates because the political fundamentals don't work. So right now, the Washington establishment is, is losing their mind that House conservatives have seized the moment and are actually using this to be able to get a, a House majority that works on behalf of the American people that put them in office. They're using the majority and you have people losing their minds and, and, and providing air cover to the, the adversaries. That's rule number one of political strategy. Don't give air cover to your adversaries. Don't bomb your own political allies who are on the battlefield. The other thing you need to learn is not to take the actual uh, words that your enemies say as if it's the inerrant word of God and that it hasn't been manipulated for a particular effect. And right now, we are seeing itching ears throughout the conservative movement aid Kevin McCarthy a month before January 3rd when House conservatives have all the power and they're reporting back, Steve, by the way, their offices are saying this is one of the highest engagement that they've ever seen because the war room posse and the roots are out there building this fight like we all said was buildable and was yeah. going to happen. So we're in a good place. We got to hold steady, take a deep breath and let the guys on the battlefield get the best opportunity, best strategic result that they possibly can. You you brought up, and, Car and Cortez talked about this, about the cartel. The really When people say the swamp, that's a cutesy phrase, but there's a cartel that runs Capitol Hill, this uniparty cartel. Correct me if I'm wrong. I want to make sure I'm fair to Kevin McCarthy's guys, but this omnibus bill is everything because this omnibus bill is a trillion and a half dollars on top of the three and a half trillion of Social Security, Medicaid, and Medicare. So it'll be over a, a five, five and a half trillion dollar right appropriations package we're going to f have to figure out have to how to finance that omnibus is what they're trying to jam through now while nancy pelosi's still in charge everybody that's smart wants to push it into next year understanding there'll be tons of tough votes you're gonna to have to take some tough votes and you have to stare down biden 
But did McCarthy, McConnell's already said it's a priority for him to get it done now because they want all those deals cut as they do. Did Kevin McCarthy also come out and say, I think we got to get the omnibus done now? I read that the other day. I just want to confirm from your, what you're hearing up on Capitol Hill that he supports getting this done now and giving away all the leverage of the speaker and, and, and this majority that we control starting on 3 January, sir. Kevin McCarthy's public positioning has gotten better as he has lacked the votes to get speaker. So he has said things publicly to say we can't cut a bad deal, but I don't think he has gone to the, the, the place that where we need to be, which is don't pass the bill in the lame duck. And it allowed them when they came out of that uh, group of four with the president to say everyone agrees the best possible result would be to do the omnibus bill. So something yes. was communicated in that meeting to suggest Everyone was on board with doing an omnibus bill, and that's the kind of thing. That's cartel speak. When you hear that, that's cartel speak. Okay, for this audience, I want to make sure we got some fundamentals. You basically have between Social Security, Medicaid, and Medicare, it's essentially three and a half trillion dollars of transfer payments, right? Total tax revenues, fees is roughly three and a half. Our discretionary spending, and when I say discretionary, it's defense budget. Everything else is another because the defense budget is almost a trillion. It comes to $1.5 trillion and maybe more, but at least a trillion and a half over top of that. That's discretionary spending, but has to be financed, right? Over and above right. our taxes because we're not going to increase taxes. I just want to make sure that people understand this because nobody talks about it. In the, it, since 2008, the interest payments on the federal debt have been essentially zero, right? A hundred billion dollars whatever, because interest rates were so hist- – we kept interest rates low. In this new interest rate environment – the financing cost of that is eight, I think $800 billion going to a trillion, going to be bigger than the defense budget and get to the size of Social Security, Medicaid, and Medicare individually. Russ vote. That is not included in the 1.5 trillion. This, this smoke and mirrors, they don't actually put the financing charges in there. So essentially it's two and a half trillion to three trillion dollars, sir, discretionary because you got to finance how you're paying for how are you going to then pay for the for the payment himself? It, you're looking at when you include mandatories and entitlements, right? You have a much bigger package, and they do not include the, the interest on the debt with when these do the appropriations. That's something that uh, you know they float bonds to be able to do, and that's the racket. Is that everything that they don't want to touch entitlement is they blame the problems. But they never want to actually go after the cartel spending, which is the bureaucracy spending, which they have a vote on every single year. And this is another opportunity with this omnibus bill. And so that's where the real fight is. The real fight is not entitlements. you got to make some reforms there, not to the, to the degree that people feel like you need to. But that fight is on appropriations, and you can't cede that, and you can't let the cartel play a shell game of distracting you away from where the real fight is. Amnesty for 11 million plus the debt ceiling to remove that the the defense authorization act that has all this woke stuff that you can't recruit a kid in the south anymore because of all the wokeness in the military and our personnel costs go up. These are massive. I keep telling people and this is why, quite frankly, we need President Trump to jump in here. People got to start, you know, maybe playing less golf and focus on this because correct me if I'm wrong. Vote. We're sending structural things in place that are going to handcuff a Republican president and a MAGA president in 2024 of what's being done in the next four or five weeks. Am I correct in that? Yes. If we keep spending with trillion-dollar deficits as far as the eye can see and do nothing to put a 
a hurt on the spending that you can control, then you're going to have years of inflation that require an economy that's killed. You'll have less trade space to do tax cuts. You'll have less ability. You'll have to get the economy growing, and that'll make your fiscal situation more complex. And so you've got to use these these years, even in minority, to be able to get stuff done. And that's why the House majority is so critical right now. Russ, how do people, how does this audience participate? I want to know, first off, I wanted to go to your site because you guys have tremendous information. You have to be armed with information, right? Then you've got to go and, and weaponize yourself to get involved in, in, in talking to people. But where do they go to your site and where do they go on the site? Because I need everybody in this audience engaged in this and understanding what's exactly going on. AmericaRenewing.com is the site, and we are you can get me best at at Russ Vote on all the social channels. We're putting out real-time information, doing battle to be able to put a, to rest all of the misinformation that's coming from, unfortunately, some good allies in the conservative movement who are freaking out for the wrong reasons. If uh, I just want to – this whole thing about you're playing with fire, if you get down to the January 3rd and you start doing a roll call vote – that the Democrats have an opportunity to have, uh, you know, Liz Cheney working with a handful of moderates, uh, de- uh, Republicans. Is that, uh, is that a possibility to tell our audience in, in the scale from one to 10, one being no chance, 10 being it could happen. Where, where does Russ vote think that stands? Number one, it is no chance whatsoever. The political fundamentals do not allow it. It is a party switch vote for a Republican to rely on Democrat votes for a Democrat to participate in Republican speakership. They have their own primaries outside of the strict control of of their leadership. It is not a thing. It's one of the reasons why John Boehner is not speaker today is because he did not have the political fundamentals to rely on Democrats and vice versa. Big time. And I was there for that fight with uh, the Mark Meadows, which is absolutely brilliant. Uh, I think it was in 14. Um, Russ, uh, social media, you come in a little hot, uh, on, uh, on, uh, on, um, Twitter. I see. I want people to follow you where they go at Russ vote, uh, rubbing is racing. We got to be able to use this opportunity and, um, yeah. we'll keep making progress. Folks, you wanted uh, to be the head of the creditors committee. You're there right now. I don't care if we didn't win 30 or 40 seats. We won, what, 10 or 11, and that gave you the power. Now it's time to use it. We're going to get the number up on where you call. How do you have your voice heard, your emails, your calls, your talking to people at these town halls and they come back in the district? This is the time, okay? The killing fields of Capitol Hill. Short break. Steve Cortez is going to walk through, contextualize all for us in the world economy next. A lot of people complain about the state of our country or the way woke corporations treat us and their employees. But it's not enough to complain. We need to change the way the marketplace works. And that starts with you and where you spend your money. In less than a year, Public SQ has grown to be the largest platform of patriotic, freedom-loving businesses the world has ever seen. Whether you want to support a restaurant that only buys from local farms, a coffee shop that took a stand against COVID mandates, or a bank that would never counsel you, counsel you for your political views, Public SQ is your guide. There's also interactive, sensor-free community groups where you can connect with other local members. Here's the best part. It's absolutely, totally free to join. 
Just go to publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com. Public, the word, the letters sq.com and download the app today totally free. Simply create an account and begin your search. You can also list your business for free so your local community can start to support you. We can't always change the world, but we can change how and where we spend our hard-earned dollars. Begin your search at Public Square today. Go to publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bass. We had a rapid recovery from the pandemic. When President Biden was elected, unemployment was quite high. It was close to 7%. And we put policies in place that generated a very rapid recovery. Unemployment quickly fell back into the threes. Where is um, it now? Where is it now? Three, seven. Okay. So normally you wouldn't expect um, just because you had a rapid recovery uh, for inflation to rise very much, if at all. But it turned out the pandemic had very special impacts on the economy. Remember, everybody stopped spending on services. They were in their homes for a year or more. Um, they wanted to buy grills and for office furniture. They were working from home. Mm. They suddenly started splurging on goods, buying Technology, um, you know, we, we're suddenly working through technology and bottlenecks started developing where supply in particular important sectors of the economy just couldn't keep up with demand. Amazon, uh, JP Morgan, Meta, Disney, Paramount, they've all done big cuts in anticipation of a recession. One doesn't seem well, to have shown up yet. Who's right? Are we headed for a recession? Because your counterpart in England says that they're already in recession and it's going to be the longest one since the Great War. So I believe there is a path to bringing inflation down while maintaining a strong, healthy labor market. Do you think it's possible we're not heading into a recession? Yes, I, we had a rapid recovery. Growth has slowed down. I expect the pace of job creation to slow down. That's natural and expected when the unemployment rate is close to the lowest in 50 years. So I think we can take the heat out of the economy. And remember, Russia has conducted a brutal war against Ukraine, and that caused um, um, gas prices to spike. So when I say I can't take any more, normally prices. we stop. Good. There we go. Okay. The key is when I say I can't take any more, we can start to pull, the, we start to pull it down. Um, Colbert actually was, I thought, pretty even-handed in asking the questions there, uh, Steve Cortez. She, by the way, I don't think Yellen was a bad um, Federal Reserve chair. Remember, she did actually quantitative tightening under the Trump administration, took a trillion dollars of liquidity off the balance sheet of the Fed. Uh, it shows you the power of President Trump's economic agenda because we had the golden year of 2019, sir, as you remember. But Janet Yellen is, is uh, and this is her kind of farewell interview because she's out, right? right? The happy talk, the misdirection plays. Uh, sir, uh, give me your comments before I want to bring in the pal too and, and have you comment on that. 
Well, first, Steve, please don't go soft on me on Janet Yellen, okay? She's the worst <laughs> Treasury Secretary in the history of that very august office, right? I mean, the idea that she is the successor to Alexander Hamilton is an absolute tragedy. And there's not much actual comedy on Stephen Colbert's show, but some of her answers were almost comical because they're so insanely wrong, particularly the part about her trying to, once again, it's sort of the dog ate my homework excuse for this inflation explosion, It's Putin's fault. Okay, let's look at actual numbers and data to once again prove that that is a ridiculous canard of an excuse. So if we can please pull up chart number two. This is gasoline futures from the year 2021. So that is from the day Biden took office at the lower left of that chart through October of 2021. That is not through the present day. Okay, this is a a snapshot of that year. The reason I chose that year is it's from Biden taking office into roughly Halloween. Nothing was hot yet in the Black Sea, okay? Nothing was building. Uh, it had 0.0 to do with Putin or Zelensky or anything going on overseas. Look at what gasoline futures were doing. They went from $1.39 a gallon. You might be saying, wait a second, Cortez, gas was never $1.39 where I live. This is at the wholesale level, okay? So it was $2.39. It was almost exactly a dollar higher than that at the pump on a national average. But the wholesale futures contract was $1.39 a gallon when Biden took office. By that Halloween, again, nothing happening in the Black Sea region. It had gone up almost 50% to over $2 a gallon. So no, Janet Yellen, you're completely wrong. It's not Putin's fault. It's you. It's the fault of you and your boss because A, you declared war on domestic American energy. You killed the golden goose of American dominance, full spectrum energy dominance. And B, even more importantly, perhaps, or as importantly, you engaged in an exorbitant orgy of borrowing and spending, pouring trillions of dollars of new money, borrowed money, upon an economy which you were handed by Donald Trump, which was recovering very nicely with very, very contained inflation. So it's not Putin's fault. Uh, Yellen, you own this 100%. You lied repeatedly to the American people for months and months, and you called it transitory. And for that, uh, you should, as your valedictory exit interview, uh, you should retire in shame because you will forever be marred as being the worst Treasury Secretary in the history of that incredibly important and august office. Talk to me about, they're still up there. This gets back to Russ vote and what's happening right now and where this audience can participate. There's another two trillion that we haven't learned. Listen, it's a trillion and a half to two trillion without the financing charges right. in there. The bridge gone cost us 800 billion to a trillion to finance the entire five and a half now because of the 30 trillion of debt and the debt that's on the social security and all that. And remember folks, in 12 months, it happens again. In 12 months after that, right. it happens again. In 12 months again, it happens after that. There's, there's the, the Yellen Biden regime program is pure fiscal and monetary insanity. Uh, yes. Steve Cortez, is there any other way to say it? No, of course it is. And by the way, you don't have to take my word for it. Look at the plunge in the savings rate in the United States. Americans have literally no cushion left, particularly middle and lower income folks who don't have savings at all. As a matter of fact, they have high interest credit card debt, uh, thanks to Biden and Yellen's inflation. And to your point about this lame duck session, you know, I want to say a couple of points that I think are critical. First of all, we earned that speaker's gavel and it's a glorious thing that we're going to take it away from Nancy Pelosi. Over 50 million Americans out there voted for Republican candidates for House and Senate. 
uh, hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of Americans worked tirelessly campaigning to make that happen. It's not quite the scale of victory that we wanted, but it is a huge victory nonetheless. Now, Nancy Pelosi, as she surrenders that gavel on the way out the door, what should be happening, okay, given our victory, what should be happening is the political version of a CCP struggle session. Okay, that should be her exit interview. Instead, a lot of Republicans, especially on the Senate side, but some on the House side, they want to throw an exit ticker tape parade for Nancy Pelosi and allow her to absolutely set the table such that the Republicans have no leverage when they do take over in January. And Big as time. proof of that, Steve, I would offer to the audience, look what just happened on the attack on religious liberty. It's coaxed as the so-called Respect for Marriage Act, completely misnamed a, a bill, an act that actually has almost nothing to do with gay marriage. Civil gay marriage is already legal in every part of the United States. It's largely uncontroversial, but Republicans joined with Democrats to pass a bill that will surely become law that is going to become a weapon, effectively making illegal a belief, a private belief in traditional one man, one woman marriage. And it will lead, mark my words, to the knock on the door at your rectory if your church dares to uphold and believe it's, in let's traditional let's call it marriage. What it is. It's, it's, it's criminalizing Christianity. Can we go ahead yes. and play the, uh, the PAL uh, piece right now? I want commentary on this. Let's go ahead and play it. Last press conference that you thought the path to that soft landing had narrowed. Has, has it continued to narrow or is it widened or I don't know if you can have a wider soft landing, but I, I don't know that it's changed since that was, this is what, five, six weeks ago. Yeah. I was asked the question, has it narrowed? Is it still possible? And has it narrowed? Is it, it's definitely still possible. And it has narrowed because right. if you look over the course of this year, nobody expected us to raise rates this much. No mm-hmm. one expected inflation to be this strong and this persistent and this, you know, to move up to have spread so broadly through the economy. And so the extent we need to get keep rates higher or keep them higher longer, that's going to uh, narrow the path to a soft landing. Okay, uh, Steve Cortez, that's the apparatchik that is the yeah. current uh, Federal Reserve chair. Um, give me that was a cartel speak. Is he right. getting dovish? The good market? They, did he put a little bit of the punch bowl back back on the table? Are they starting to blink about this, sir? You know, look, I don't think so. I mean, yes, I believe he was dovish in comparison to other Fed speakers, particularly Bullard over the weekend, who was about as hawkish as you could be. You know, and so I mentioned that I thought he would temper their remarks just a bit. But listen, I think even Powell, uh, who, again, I, as I also mentioned, he could only succeed in a town like Washington, D.C. But even Powell realizes now the gravity of the crisis that they helped to create. What I think is, is important there, by the way, in his interview at the Brookings Institution, and for people who don't follow Brookings, by the way, that's sort of the the think tank Vatican of the establishment left in Washington, D.C., for him to get in front of Brookings and say, oh, nobody could have foreseen this. It was impossible for us to foresee. Uh, That is such BS. It's hard for me to even stomach it. I mean, it should make you want to scream because any honest observer of interest rates, of bond markets, of budgets knew very early on exactly what was going on. And certainly your show did a wonderful job of educating and arming the American people all the way back in early 2021 that we were going to face an absolute explosion in inflation. Surely Jerome Powell, uh, with the apparatus of the Fed, with the army of PhDs, should have been more than aware of what was going to happen. I believe he probably was. And like but Yellen, there but, he but, decided but, 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 to prioritize political yeah. narrative. Let, let me understand. Folks have to understand something. The Wall Street uh, oligarchs in in the uh, in in the government are, are 
running the country's finances on probably the most radical theory, I think, to, to, to come up in finance maybe forever, modern monetary theory, that deficits don't matter. This thing, and, and, and it was Larry Summers, I think David Stockman and our show on the American Recovery Act and all these other things said, Hey, aggregate demand is coming back. You're just going to, you're going to put jet fuel on a dumpster fire. That's right. what we've done. I didn't hear a lot of Republicans at the time even coming forward, but modern monetary theory. This is my point about where we are with this omnibus bill. That's why we need a fight and force Biden to shut down the government. If we don't lance the boil now. You're still on this thing. Remember, every 12 months, it's going to be another $2 trillion, right? And up right. here, this is why they're talking about – it's insanity. They're talking about $40 or $50 billion for Ukraine, and we're going to do this here and that there and this here. It's all madness. Uh, Steve Cortez. Yes, and particularly in an era of rising interest rates because of the inflation that has been created – by Powell and Yellen and Biden. Again, we've been sp- borrowing and spending too much for a very long time, but we were able to get away with it because of artificially suppressed interest rates. Okay, that low interest rate bubble has been popped by Biden's policies, and we can no longer get away with it. The global bond markets, where effectively the bank have said, if we're going to continue to loan you money, we need much higher interest rates to do so. So that game has ended. Uh, it's it's a good thing on the whole that it's ended, but getting back to the lame duck session uh, and, and points of leverage, this is what is so critical. What we cannot allow Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer to do uh, is to pass a budget that takes away the power of the purse effectively yes. from the incoming GOP House, because that is our pressure point. That is the leverage point for the GOP House, and we must make sure that it is maintained and that it is effective yeah. come January. By the way, this is what we talked about the other day, the global uh, inverted yield curve. But this was the Wall Street Journal a couple of days ago after we called it. Treasury yield curve inverts to deepest level since 1981. The money gets a vote here. The yeah. money gets in your life. Ask yourself, does the money get a vote in my life? Uh Yeah, it does. The money gets a vote. And its vote right. is, okay, what's the vote? What's the vote? Yeah, I got it. I don't, we don't agree. So right. we're going to, you can do it, but we're going to charge you more. You can do it, but you're going to charge you more. This is where Ralph Norman, the old guy from South Carolina, comes up here and says, hey, I asked McCarthy seven years of balanced budget, not going to do it. He said, hey, look, brother, we're going to have some tough fights here. I need a fighter. A economic and financial crisis is building, okay? And you remember, this audience, you're the chairman of the creditor committee. And we'll put the burden on your shoulders. We're going to sort this whole thing out. Rasmussen next to talk about Arizona. Cortez is going to hang with us. We've got the great Tudor Dixon, Joe Allen. Next. It's hard to grasp why anyone would keep voting for record inflation, skyrocketing crime, and an open border. Likewise, why would anyone keep funding the left by sticking with the big carriers? Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, and they want to make it easy for you to try their service. Give them 60 days to show you why I trust them. Right now, When you try Patriot Mobile for two months, that's 60 days, you get your third month free plus get free activation. They offer nationwide coverage of the best 4G and 5G networks and use the same towers as all three of the major carriers. So you get the same great service while supporting a company that's fighting to preserve our God-given rights and freedom. Just go to PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon or call their 100% U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. 
If you're fed up with woke companies that don't care about your values, support a company that does. Make the switch today and get two free months of service plus free activation. PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon. Or call 972-PATRIOT. Better has arrived. The new social media taking on big tech. Protecting free speech. And canceling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas. The platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology. No more selling your personal data. No more censorship. No more cancel culture. Enough. Getter has arrived. It's time to say what you want the way you want. Download now. My friend and I were talking. France is our oldest ally. Our unwavering partner. And freedom's cause. From the spirit of Marcus de Lafayette, who helped secure the success of our revolution, to the sacrifice of American GIs, who stormed the beaches of Normandy. Let me have it. Our history has been shaped by the courage... Cortez. Brother Lafayette, what what was that? What was Joe Biden? Marcus de Lafayette. All right, you know, listen, a couple of things. First of all, uh, Joe Biden was elected to the U.S. Senate in 1972. He has been there for 50 years, okay, in a town where Lafayette's name is everywhere, including the name of the park, the square, that is directly across from the house where he happens to live, and yet he doesn't know how to pronounce Marquis in front of the French president. And by the way, France is one country that takes its language very seriously. And I think they are admirably protective of their language and culture. And they must be laughing pretty heartily at Marcus de Lafayette today. By the way, let me also say this. Why wouldn't the staff, if I worked on Biden's staff, okay, knowing his cognitive abilities, I would have spelled that phonetically in the teleprompter. You put it in as M-A-R-K-E-E, right? So that the boss actually gets it right. So it's also know, a staff we, fail there. On, and we, and we know, and we know, you know, he reads everything right off the teleprompter, including well, the pauses and the, and the commas right. and the dots. But in, 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 in talk about the lame duck. Why is, uh, it, it, nothing happens by chance. Macron's over here because they understand you, this audience is now in charge and you're not going to be shoveling $50 billion Ukraine. And if you ain't shoveling it, that means the people of France got to pick it up and he ain't got the support. This is because of this audience. He's over there yes. schlepping over here, breaking up his yeah. Christmas holiday. Cause in France, they start Paris is probably the greatest Christmas city in the world. Not that they, get into the religious aspect of it, but it's absolutely stunning during Christmas. He schlepped over here for one reason. He understands in this lame duck, the right of the Republic party, the America first part of this, Steve Cortez could shut down this Ukraine madness. What they said yesterday, a hundred thousand troops dead, 20,000 civilians dead. What the war room and Cortez and all of us said in the very first day of this war, you're going to end up at the same place, but you're going to have, Tens of thousands of Ukrainian men, women, and children slaughtered in a place that looks like Dresden after World War II. Steve Cortez about Macron's yeah. trip. Steve, I think you're exactly right. Uh, listen, there was a reason that he dragged his grandmother over here across the Atlantic to the United States because he realizes that the American <laughs> right 
is ascendant and has power right now in the House of Representatives. And by the way, the America First movement can't just be about taking on China. When necessary, it's also about taking on the EU. And I think there are two aspects to this right now that are critically important. Uh, the EU is right now threatening Twitter for daring to engage in free speech. Okay, now you may not be a fan of Elon Musk, certainly not fans generally out there of Twitter as an organization. But here's the point. We have to stand up for American free speech against the tyrannical EU, against Brussels and Davos. And at the same time, we need to stand up and say, if Ukraine is a problem beyond the Black Sea, and I don't happen to believe it is, but if it is, it surely is not America's problem. It is the problem for Germany and France and Italy to handle, <laughs> not the United States. And this burden is going to be put upon you not upon the good citizens of the United States. We don't have the money. Europe and all these great, all the wealthy over there, let's, let's see them pony up. Cortez, hang with me for a second. I'll bring in Mark Mitchell from Rasmussen. These amazing polls. Mark, you've been out and you've, you've gone out to the American people and talked to them about Arizona. What, what is the feedback you're getting in your polling, sir? Yeah. And so everybody knows we've polled on election integrity issues more than really any other pollster. We've asked thousands of people these questions. And when these results came back, I had to run it again just to make sure they were right. And the benchmark here is that the highest number I've seen so far of people agreeing that election integrity problems exist is the 59 percent who said that cheating likely affected the outcome of the 2020 election. So the question we just asked everybody was Republicans in Arizona say problems with the election in Maricopa County prevented many people from voting. How likely is it that these problems affected the outcome of the election in Arizona? And 71% say yes. So that's a 12-point increase, and it's driven almost entirely by increases in Democrats and independents. So going into this, uh, you know, the last time we asked, is widespread cheating going to affect the 2020 midterms? Only about 36% of Democrats said it was likely. But here, 65 percent of Democrats say that it's likely that issues in Maricopa affected the outcome. And that's with the word Republicans in the sentence. So two thirds of Democrats are saying Republicans, you you know, (laughs) were affected by botched issues in Maricopa. Uh, Now, 23 percent only say very likely, but you only see 20 percent saying not at all likely. So this is the biggest number I've ever seen for Democrats. And, you know, it's a big step change in public opinion. And, you know, one would wonder why is this happening now? Uh, I think part of it is that the things we saw in 2020 didn't necessarily get out there and they're getting out there now. And maybe that's just because Maricopa is so flagrant or maybe it's because people are seeing things on Twitter that they weren't seeing before. Um, but I, I think there's an important lesson here to be learned about the Democrat electorate. And that's a Democrat voters. They don't like cheating. 90% of them say it's important to prevent cheating in, le- in elections. And I think one of the problems that the Democrats have is that the values of Democrat voters do not match the values of the national Democrat platform. Uh, you know, to give you an example, we asked California Democrats, um, you know, should abortion be legal from six to nine months? Only 19% of California Democrats think that. And yet abortion was the number one issue nationwide for Democrats going to vote in the midterm. So are, I, I just wonder, looking at this, are cracks beginning to appear in their ability to control the narrative? Because they need to. Uh, so the other question we asked is whether voters agree. I tell you what, hang on a second, because I'm going to hold you over. i got to get to this. I want to particularly go back because it's the relentless pounding 
of that's why 59% of the American people think cheating affected the 20, 2020 election. Okay. So everybody's sitting there, the election deniers, the guys, grand juries, Trump's going to go to prison, all this stuff. 59% of the American people in 71. I tell you what, we're going to take a short break. 90 seconds. We've got Cortez going to stick with us. We got the great Tudor Dixon. Joe Allen's going to come. Libby Emmons from, um, from post millennial. All of it. This is going to be jammed. And of course, Mark Mitchell from Rasmussen. Stick around 90 seconds back. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. Dot com All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code warroom at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. Warroomhealth, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today. Check it out. 